0: Tess Brunton's in Dunedin. She's RNZ reporter based there. Thank you very much for being with us, Tess. Good morning. Kia ora. How are you doing? I'm really good, thanks. Remind us of where Blue Cliffs is and the challenges it's facing with erosion. Tess? So this
1: is right down the end of the the South Island, closer to Fiordland, uh, quite close, only about a 10-minute drive away from Tuatapuri. And so the situation that's been going on here, a state of emergency, was first declared on February 8th, and it was after rapid erosion from the sea and river that's threatening properties and undermining the cliff that they are living on. They lost about three metres of land in a day, so there's been some urgent work to try and redirect that flow away of the river the wale River away from homes, which started, but um, they did break through last Thursday, but one of the issues has been that while they can open it up, open this Samba and try and encourage the river to go through um, Meridian energy has got the hydro lakes allowing a li- little bit more water coming through from there, and there was also more rain forecast over the weekend, however. Uh, While that had happened, um, there's been the discovery that the river hasn't been redirected away and that there is still a lot of concerns about erosion. So uh, we heard from the Southland District District Mayor Rob Scott yesterday re-declaring the state of emergency, essentially saying that he's disappointed that the work um, was not done. It's not clearly open and it's continuing to erode that land away. Basically saying that residents were promised that the opening would be complete and uh, while it's not a Long-term or a permanent solution, it may only provide um, a short-term option. But it gives them some time to make those decisions. So uh, a lot of frustration that there hasn't been um, there hasn't been a good solution when it comes to opening it. And I've spoken to the civil defence down there today, and they they say essentially agencies are regrouping. They're working through trying to figure out the next steps. But um, that state of emergency has been extended. So it's a lot of frustration at the moment.
0: For the properties, and also is there um, a rubbish dump in play as well? We know this is another issue with erosion in various parts of the country, coastal erosion uh, revealing older rubbish dumps. Is that the case here?
1: Yes, and there has been some news on that front as well. So the Minister for the Environment, Penny Simmons, said that a fund of $6.6 million would be administered as contaminated sites remediation grants. And so one of the old landfill, and it's an old community landfill, I was there a couple of weeks ago um, the day that the um, state of emergency was declared. So it is right beside the river. You can see where the fence, uh, when I was there, um, the fence was going and disappeared into the river and only a few days before that was fully on land. This is uh, a really uh, dynamic and kind of challenging situation. There used to be, um, just to give you a bit of idea of the river went past the houses, but there used to be a, a large court of part of land that was originally there people could camp um underneath the houses um on that sort of that bank they could um white baiting was really popular down there and so that's completely gone it's just river and that's just eating and eating away into the land so while there's been some good news on the uh, remediation grant and certainly officials are keen to get that underway for the next couple of weeks but um it's still a lot of work needs to be done
0: all right. Now the rodent woes continue for Dunedin, South Dunedin's countdown. They're just uh, they're losing the battle of wits here, aren't they?
1: It is. It's been more than two weeks that it's been closed, and more than twenty rats captured since February the tenth. Now we did hope that there was going to be some good news. It was poised to open yesterday. But those plans were unravelled when a lone rat was spotted on camera somewhere between Saturday and Sunday morning after getting into the store. There's just a lot of frustration from um, uh, people down here and particularly one of the things that's been uh, frustrating is hearing about the... um, Woolworths originally saying that there was no nesting in the stores and that all entries had been removed. And then it was about a week and a half later that we found out that there were nests that were found um, behind in the the cladding of the wall. So uh, a lot of frustration, and of course this security camera showing again that a rat has gained entry into the stores So I think there's a lot of work um underway um, to just try and sort this out, but it doesn't look like it's um, ending anytime soon. No,
0: well if it's in, if they're in. There. The cladding like literally living in the walls um, we've, we've all seen a little mouse hole haven't we, we <laughs> they've managed to find their ways at that find their way out of there uh, it's a public relations nightmare really for well a public relations and also the cost for the loss of business although there's not a countdown down the road it's probably the nearest one isn't it
1: Yes, so it's not far away. So this um, South Dunedin countdown, there is one that's uh, only a couple of minutes drive away. However, it's just, as you said, public relations nightmare. This is a store that's been closed for more than um, two weeks. New Zealand Food Safety says that they want a 24-hour period of no rodent activity, followed by another 48 period, um, basically required to determine if those pest control measures have worked before the store can reopen. And at the moment, given that that has happened, we're still... still finding out whether there were any found overnight. But um, while food safety has said that they're satisfied that Woolworths is taking the matter seriously, this has been an ongoing saga and it started back in October. We didn't know about it quite then, but it has emerged in those following sort of weeks and months about the scale of this issue. So I think there was a lot of frustration that there wasn't discussion when it first um, really started
0: to rear its head as well. Well, it's certainly got publicity on it now, that's for sure. Yes. Now, you've been following the case of the local teacher. She can now be named, Carol Code, who's admitted murdering her partner. Uh, just tell us a little bit more of what's happened um, in, in court and, and outside now, and, and and with her now being able to be named.
1: This has been a really sad case. So Carol Code, who pleaded guilty to the murder of her partner, who was 58-year-old director Mark Henry Willis, um, his body was found by police in their Tainui home on the 18th of May last year after she called the police and said, I've stabbed my partner. She's Um, reportedly stabbed him 22 times while he was in the bath. Now, that name suppression was lifted during Thursday's sentencing, which I attended in the Dunedin High Court. It was a packed courtroom, and there were a number of victim impact statements that were read, including from Willis's brother, who basically described the shock and total disbelief when he heard that his brother, who he'd started to be reconnecting with, had been murdered. And he had this really... um, a really awful quote basically saying that Mark's greatest success was creating the movie Blind Panic and the tragedy was his last moments of life were indeed filled with blind panic. Now this is a case that um, the Justice Lisa Preston said um, there's definitely it's acknowledged there's severe mental illness um, and there was an early guilty plea but um, Code was not insane and was aware of her actions. She decided to kill her partner um, because she thought that she would, or she knew she would end up in prison and thought that it would be an area where she could have food and shelter. So she was really concerned about her financial situation. But you sort of, during the the case or during the sentencing, you heard essentially a woman who had spiralled with depression, finding her job challenging and struggling with a separation from her adult children, seeking sick leave and getting support and then withdrawing from that support and actually attempting to kill um, this man who's described as a loving, talented and intelligent man, uh, trying to kill him multiple times um, within days of the murder when she realised Her sick leave was nearing an end and she found she was incapable of returning to work. Um, And even on the day that she decided that that it had to be that day, the day before she was meeting with the principal of the school, she um, tried to initially lace his coffee, thinking he would drown in the bath that she encouraged him to take. But he tasted something was off and discarded it. And it was then that she... Chose to get a knife and um, and stab him multiple times.
0: Uh, look, it's an horrendous case, an horrendous story, isn't it? But um, murder is the conviction. Uh, you just said earlier the judge described this as, as, as planned and, and premeditated. It, it must have shocked the city. It's a city that regrettably has seen far too many uh, awful and and high pro- high profile murders. All murders are awful, uh, but it must this must have been a shock also, including to you know a wider school and education community, and and as you've mentioned, a wider film community, as well as those who personally knew the family.
1: It has been. It's been really shocking, and as you said, there have been, unfortunately, a number of very high-profile murders that have taken place in this city. And this is also from um, all, all accounts, um, or the Defence Council has said that this is a person that um, the murder went entirely against her Character, um, but then again, the crown prosecutor has also said that it was a brutal murder where um, she, she, her partner, was vulnerable, and she ignored his pleas for for, for, mercy, for and, mercy and and, yeah. and basically saying, "No, Carol, I love you," but she didn't stop
0: until he went under the water. All right. So sentencing um, was w- done on Thursday. The, on, this Thursday. All right, now, Ulva Island is a precious part of Rakiura National Park and a precious part of the Predator Free movement, but those damn rats are back again this time on Ulva Island. What's been discovered?
1: It does seem like uh, my patch of the world cannot escape the rats um, in the last few weeks. But So the Department of Conservation has essentially triggered an incursion response because a rat was found dead in a trap. And this is one of the country's few pest-free open-air sanctuaries. It was first declared pest-free in 1997, and it sits you know, less than a kilometre off the coast of Rakiura. So just to put it in perspective, this is a small island, about three and a half kilometres long, and it is an area which i've been to and it is rich with with bird life um there there are a few intrepid rats that um often would swim or would find a way to the island about one or two incursions a year but it is really critical for them to be trying to uh to nip this in the bud um last winter they actually had to have an eradication program on the island because a breeding population set up shop there um, but the Department of Conservation said there'd been no signs of any remaining rats in the months since that had happened and there's been uh, new tools like trail cameras, more frequent trap checks and uh, sort of changing the way that they do detection um, to try and really um, stop the rats from establishing a population and just to make sure that any rats that get on do not last for very very long so it's been a an ongoing challenge to still go and uh yeah try and make sure that it's a pass free sanctuary
0: so right now they're busy trying to hunt um, hunt down one single rat though in particular um which i imagine is not very easy to do needles and haystacks and all that
1: well, no, that rat was found dead. So ah. that, that was, yep, that's that's the good news. The rat was found dead. And so the work that's underway to, to find out if this was a rat that evaded detection, when that uh, they sort of kicked off and did a lot of work on that breeding population, um, or whether it was a new arrival. So that work's still underway. Can and... they swim
0: to Over Island? Are they swimmers? Yes. Yeah.
1: Yes. Uh, it's about... Oh, It sits just under 800 metres, so it is. Like, it's a, a, a solid effort for a rat. Island? I suppose. <laughs> it's uh, a smorgasbord, what, unfortunately. But
0: it's across the road. It's <laughs> the usual story. Yeah. Natives, yeah.
1: unfortunately, are a bit of a smorgasbord for yeah. these rats, so they. Um, of, I guess course, they of course, of course. It's.
0: A, yeah, and they, they somehow instinctively know that. Um, you know, find a new island, and um, it's a bit like finding a supermarket, I suppose, isn't it, Tess? You've. Yes, we'll you talk about something to... else next time. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very, very much as always, Tess Brunton, in Dunedin. She's an RNZ reporter, uh, based there in our correspondence uh, today.